Meanwhile, on Eternia. Ugh, I don't want to go on this mission anymore. I'm sick of magic. I Magic is what got everything, all of us into this. And it was oh, like, drone, what? drone, drone. Ugh. Tila, will you shut up? You know what? I am sick of this evil in, and Andre, you're even taking her side too, and so are you, Cringer. What? I am sick of all this. You know what? I think it's because I got this haircut, and you all now know that I am a lesbian. You are all homophobic. I am sick of this besmirching of my character just because I'm a lesbian. What? I'm a lesbian too, dear. What? You are? And so am I. Andre, you're a lesbian? I am too. I'm Orko. I'm gay. And I'm Grincher, I'm gay too. Wait, is everyone on this mission gay? Yes. Wait, so that means you all just hate me because... You're annoying. Oh. Wait, when did we all become gay? Oh, I think it was when Kevin Smith took over writing it. Oh. Chasing Amy. Yeah. He man. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 189 of Comic Book Queers Legacy. I am your host, Brett Mann, and as always I'm joined by my gorgeous co-host, Evil Jeff Rowe. How are you, Evil Jeff Rowe? Um, I would love to be named Jethro. You would? No. Like Jethro Tull? Yeah, Oof. why not? I think it, yeah. it, it feels more masculine. It's very country. Yeah. It's very blue collar. When I mm. when I grew up in more white trash Greasy. area of Pennsylvania, everyone called me Jeffy. Hey Jeffy. Je- hey Jeffy. Jeffy. Come on, Jeffy. Hey Jeffy, why do you move your why do you move like that? You think you're a girl? That it actually was literal things that happened. There was a time oh. where I used to, when I was a little kid, I would take a broom and fly around because I wanted to be the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> and I remember my one neighbor came out and grabbed the broom and he's like, only <gasps> girls, only witches are girls. <laughs> what? No. And he was like, you need to play football. And I was like, ew. <laughs> he's dead now. He's not. Well, he almost died. He Actually, my dad just called me and said that he flatlined twice. For because of oh, COVID, because he wouldn't get vaccinated, and he still somehow didn't die. Oh, geez. anyway, um, he went from calling you out for being a little gay boy to refusing to get vaccinated. Like how one oh one does it get? Yeah, it's pretty stereotypical. Yeah, Jethro. That's Jethro one oh one. No, <laughs> no, uh, no ill will toward anyone named Jethro. Know what I just realized though, Brett? What we are only. What, 11 weeks away from our 200 From episode, episode. 200. We have to do oh. something special. Do we, though? Well, I mean, maybe. Yes. Should we? Maybe. I don't know. Should we? Yes. Maybe. Yes. Okay. Well, I want to focus on the now, and I want to I focus on comic books and comic book television. How does that sound? I think that sounds amazing. Let's just get right into it. Should we talk about some X-Men? I love it. Hit the music. I want your X. Come on. Come on. So we got three, well, kind of three X-Men books. We've got two books that take place in current continuity and one that takes place in past continuity. Sure. Sure. Let's go to the past first. That's right. X-Men Legends, number five. One of my, one of the, uh, if you list like kind of like most influential comic book writers that kind of like made me who I am as a comic book reader and what I appreciate and what I like, up at the top of the list, um, not at the very top, of course, but up there is Peter David. Peter David, his whole run from X-Factor, from old X-Factor to Jamie Madrick's um, Investigations X-Factor, some of my favorite comic book writing of all time. And Peter David also did the X Factor with Danger and Cypher and Gambit. He did all and the X Factor. He pretty right? much did every X Factor, I think. Okay, let's let's talk about your let's rank our Peter David X Factor teams. Like one, two, three. Out of those three, Havoc's team, Jamie's team, and Polaris's team. Polaris's team. Who's your favorite? 
I mean, for I mean, overall, it has to be Majorox's, but he just has the length of time. True, they fleshed out the most story. But at the same time, it ended on kind of a dud, so it was a little bit disappointing with the whole Layla Miller. Um, yeah, and then the whole Guido losing his soul and like uh, just a yeah, lot. it got a little loosey goosey at, at the end there. Um, yes, but he established a lot of things that some some people. Like, do you remember how he actually made the reason Longshot was lucky is he could actually see all the different versions of how to do something? Oh, yeah. And that's why he was so lucky. So it was like things like that. But it's like, I, it, but people don't. Shatterstar know. and Richter. Shatterstar Hello. and Richter being gay. The absorption of uh, his baby with Siren. I mean, all of that shit. Amazing. When that X Factor started, it was so exciting to have a noirish Jamie Madrox to establish that his personalities each had autonomy and their own persona. Each one of his dupes, I mean, had their own personalities. It's yeah. very exciting. Now, for me, I'm going to skip over number... I feel like we're going to have the same order. Number three would be the latest one. And it's mostly not because yeah. it was bad, but just because it was only like 12 issues. So it just yeah. it didn't have enough of a run. But that one was right. still hilarious. It had Scarlet Witch showing up for a lot of it. Danger. There was a Danger Cypher Warlock Love Triangle. Gambit and Polaris trying to lead a team that was like led by an evil corporation. It was fun. It was really fun. It was fun. Run. Number two, which is uh uh, the original X-Factor run. So when X-Men number one came out, high, still to this day, highest comic book selling of all time. Nothing has still beat it. When X-Men number one came out, the original X-Factor, all the original X-Men, and um, the Uncanny X-Men all joined together. So who is now going to be X-Factor? Well, it is going to be this new team of Polaris and Havoc, Wolvesbane, Madrox, and Strong Guy. And uh, kind of really coming out of extinction agenda. Yes. Right. Wouldn't. Yeah. And because of his extinction agenda, Madrox, uh, 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 Havoc and Polaris, Polaris had just stopped being possessed by malice. Havoc had just gotten over his brainwashing from Genosha and Rain was turned into a mutate and can only be her true self when she is in her half-wolf form, which we will get to the comic that I feel like Peter David forgot this part when writing yeah. his X-Men Legends book. But um, right. I will say this. When I first read it, I remember the art was Larry Stroman, and it was yes. very weird, weird Very distinct. Art. And, weird jaws. And also at the same time, this is the first time I remember seeing like just straight-up com- comedy. Like Madrox and Strong Guy were just like all they were were one liners. And it was like the fact the way Strong Guy's named himself, where they were at the briefing where they were introducing X Factor. And then they're like, and here's, and he's like, I'm uh, I'm Strong Guy. And they're like, you can't fucking call yourself Strong Guy. He's like, whoa, too late, I did. I too just late. remember reading that as like a teenager being like, this is the funniest fucking thing I've ever read. I loved it. There is a cool thing about Alex Summers where, like, Alex Summers cannot keep teams together. He can't... He's always surrounded by idiots, it feels like, which is part of the Alex Summers narrative. Yeah, and it's kind of, it's what, kind of happening it's now. on in Hellions, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the first thing this X-Men Legends number five reminded me of is my long-lost love, Val Cooper, who was... X-Factor's government liaison, because this team was a government-sponsored team, after all. Yes. And Val Cooper was the de facto, all right, here's where your next mission is. Here's where you're going. Yeah, she was handling all the PR. Yes, yeah. But she was no-nonsense. You didn't know which side she really fell on. But I do love me some Val Cooper. Great to see her in this, what I think is a flashback story. About this original X-Factor team by Peter David. Now, it takes place in a courtroom, and I thought immediately it was going to be kind of an analog to that iconic old X-Factor issue where they were all on Doc Samson's therapy couch talking. It is probably one of the best single issues of a comic ever, of an X-Comic, maybe just a comic in general. I thought this was going to be 
them on the witness stand as opposed to the therapy couch. It wasn't exactly that. It's more of a framing device than the actual story. story. Yeah. Right. A lot of the stories told in flashback. And it all takes place, and it's basically like a mutant group in Latveria rebelling against the Doom government. And I like that. It reminds me of in Dawn of X, when uh, I think Fantastic Four X-Men, when they go to Latveria to free mutants and see that Doom abuses, marginalizes mutants. So I can see these mutants rising up back then. And the irony here is that America is like, hey, you need to go in and stop the terrorists. But then they're like, but the terrorists are trying to stop Doom. So it is very foggy of whose side should, who, who is the right side. Yeah, and where will public opinion fall? The Avengers and the Fantastic Four in this story want no part of this because of that they feel muddy just public opinion. No matter what. Yeah, smart. So give it to X Factor. And uh, it looks like Rain, who could be turning to human, which was like. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. She can't do that yet, but whatever, we forgive it. And my only thing that's weird is I'm like, but you, honey, you were writing it. <laughs> like you were writing it when this was happening. I can understand. I know if it's not like you're another writer. <laughs> it's like you kind of created that whole thing. <laughs> but whatever, forgive it. Uh, Rain is about like they're all planning. They jump in, don't tell Alex or Polaris like what the plan is. They're like, what are you doing? Oh, we're just going to attack. And they're like, what are you doing? You're fucking up. They're like, no, we haven't. We're just a diversion. Rain is in there to save the day. And of course, Rain remembers eating her dad. Fucking falls apart. <laughs> Always. 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 Ghost of her dad that she ate. And then it causes her to get caught. So that was my question in terms of continuity. Had she already eaten her dad? When... That, I thought that happened in Black Ops X-Force, no? I thought she just was remembering back that that had happened and that she had done it like a while ago. Or did it happen actually in the comic? I thought continuity-wise it happens after this adventure takes place. I thought it happened in the Black Ops X-Force, which was way after this. So it happened like in the actual comic, her eating him. Yeah, but yeah, but maybe she mauled him or something. But for some reason, I thought, yeah, maybe. Okay, I don't know. Whatever. Um, This is like, this isn't canon. It's loosey-goosey. This is just like, hey, remember this team? This is fun. Remember how fun this team was? And I think where really, where that fun comes back is when you see Guido Caracella and Jamie Madrox kind of springing into action. I forgot what a great dynamic those two had. Yeah. Do you remember X-Factor 100 where Jamie dies, quote unquote, at the hands of what was her name? Haven? She was trying to fix him of the legacy virus. Yeah. It was intense. But was he supposedly really dead after that? Oh, Lord. It's Jamie Madrox. No, no, no. I I know. But I mean, how long did he stay dead? Because then there was also he gets killed. In the first few issues, he gets killed. And then it turns out there's another dupe. And then it's like, oh, wait, but I'm the real dupe. And then you're the fake. There's been there was so much of that going out throughout his whole entire run. So many times. I need to reread it. I read it not too long ago, but it's already like out of my brain. I don't remember any of it. I should reread it, too. It's good. Yeah, yeah. But let's talk about some real, like the real world. Yeah, let's get now. let's get to the Krakoan era of X Men because we love it. New Mutants. Let's do it. New Mutants number twenty. Vita Ayala and uh, I don't know who drew it this time. Ooh. Um, it looks like in the New Mutants, um, the new Resurrection team. The new little teen resurrect team teen resurrection. The ugly kids. The ugly kids. The uggos. Yeah, we'll just call them the ugly kids. They find um, Scout's dead body and they decide we don't trust. We have a feeling they're not going to resurrect her because of the clones. 
So how about we just do it ourselves? We know how to resurrect a body. We just need to get the Cerebro back up. Right. And they're like, we're not going to tell anyone. We're not even going to tell the Shadow King. We're just going to do it on our own. And then No Girl takes... Oh, And this is the one thing that it realized is No Girl has officially... And it hadn't been said up until this issue. She had officially requested to... Like, they rejected her getting resurrected. Which is cruel. Cruel. They were like, oh... You can get resurrected because of a fucking like paper cut <laughs> karma. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, dead brother stuck in her brain. That's that's big. I, I guess they just put their foot down when it's for aesthetic reasons. I, I, I feel not having a body is more than an aesthetic reason. Denying someone to not have a body. That's cruel. That's cruel. Xavier fucking did it so he could walk. Yeah. By the way. Honestly, if I was no girl, I'd be like, fucking stab me in the head. Kill me. With And don't use a needle because that doesn't work. I've got eight here already. Yeah, they like do fucking stab me in the head. But she possesses Scout's body and is moving it around. And basically she is angry. She's so angry, which it was really hard to read not that hard to read, but it was hard to read because I've always known Martha Johansson to be kind. And I think particularly she probably, in Morrison's run. But I think she is kind. But then when this Krakoa thing happened, oh, yeah, but she just fucking bitter McBitterson's. Because if you look at all, but that's the other thing you realized. This is how like cults are formed. You take people that have these insecurities and you put them together and it fuels. They're kind of all of them. Anole, all of them were nice people. And then together they're like breeding this contempt. And how much of it is just them together or how much is the Shadow King influencing them? Right. How much and how much of the Shadow, Shadow King, King? Yes, but how much of it is easier because they're feeding off exactly. one another and you can they're fuel easy it with group. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're right. They all used to be very kind. And this is where I continue down this road of this is like a drug addiction analogy, this whole story arc. They're getting worse and worse in terms of disconnecting from their community. Yeah. I mean, Anoli is a real shit these days. Yeah. Yeah. And Rainboy, oh, I used to love Rainboy probably if I remembered who he was. But now we've always you... hated Cosmar, but you know that's because... always hated Cosmar. But that's because she's so ugly. I'm just kidding. Oh my god, <laughs> terrible! No, she—they all deserve better. And I like that Vita is pointing out. Yes, yes, we have this perfect society, but we are still marginalizing people who are physically different different from us even and, here and, and you know what and it. that's the whole thing is like yes everybody's beautiful but I, that's the thing i'm not against plastic surgery because if that's your thing that then, then do it you're we you have the freedom to do it and that's the thing is if these people have the opportunity to look the way they want to look why are you denying it from them right it's not even like they're asking to cut the resurrection cue which evidently anyone can do. Yeah. Literally, it's just like if you have an in with Xavier or with the five, like give me a fucking break. I will say with Rain, hers is a bit different because they're not, the reason they're not doing it is they just, they have to have the proof of death. And I do feel that right. was a little bit different. That they right. don't have proof that he, that her son is dead. So... If I were Rain, I'd get off my ass and find the proof. Yeah, or fake it. Or fake the proof. But instead, she's at a bar hanging out with Shadow King. And I will say this. I was saying, like, I want to know what what uh, Karma has to think about this. Since she was possessed by the Shadow King and became, like, morbidly obese and had to go into a desert on Asgard... With a phantom little girl to lose the weight. That is a new, that's the diet. Diet of the century. (laughs) 
that is the new fad diet. <laughs> Follow this girl into Follow the desert. Follow Phantom Girl into the desert and, to, and just live off of lizards until you can lose the weight. Oh my God, Asgardian Wars. God, that was good. I loved Asgardian good. Wars. It was good. Yeah, it was good. What was it? Art Adams doing the art? Ugh. Yes. Art Adams, quintessential New Mutants artist. Yes. Um, no, so one, no one drew, magic, out with no one drew magic better. I'm sorry. Okay, got No it. one. No, and, and I always think of Danny Moonstar Valkyrie. Yeah, yeah. Just gorgeous. Uh, Rain, yeah, she's, she doesn't want to hear it from Karma. Karma's like, listen, I have history with this guy. I'm saying, you know, your new boyfriend, he kind of, I dated him for a while myself, and he's abusive, and he's shitty, and you got to dump him. And she's like, I didn't know, I didn't want to. But she's basically like, you and fucking Danny pick and choose who you care about, when you want to care about, when it fits your fucking agenda. So why don't right. you get the fuck out of my face, you motherfuckers? And also, why don't you fucking help me find this proof for my son? That's why yeah. Rain's not doing it. It's because she asked her friends if she would help, and her friends fucking, they were busy, but they still ignored her. Yeah, yeah. And I do think it is that thing where it's like, Ugh, Rain, here we go again. Oh, it's just Rain being Rain. She's so dramatic. Yeah. And it's just like, fuck off. And so she's off um, with Elixir because wasn't it in New X-Men? Didn't she? Was it her and Elixir that were fucking around? Ooh, I don't remember. In the X-Men, she came back to teach and she had an affair with a student. And I think it was Elixir. Or was it Hellion? Was it Hellion? No, I think it was Elixir. Yeah. Rain did? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is the whole, like, Sophia, like, Windrider, Hellion, yeah. Mercury, like, all of them. I think mess. she had an affair with Elixir. And then, basically, she was kind of, like, Danny was like, I think you need to, like, leave the school. And she, like, drives off in a motorcycle. It was Rain. very, like, unlike Rain. It was very unlike her. She was very, like, slutty. And the person writing it just was, like, not getting her yeah. character. But they did yeah. kind of revisit that where she's kind of with Elixir, like, hey, what's up, Elixir? So she has her own agenda, clearly being influenced by the Shadow King. The kids have their own agenda trying to, like, sneak past. I love that Cosmar is able to get through Proteus's um, cosmic barrier. Yeah, little reality warper magic herself. But then, of course, Rain is the one that catches them. But clearly in the next issue, she's going to be like, yeah, let's do it. I'll help. Fuck these people. Fuck them. You just need to do it. You need to be able to. We need to do it with uh, my kid. I'll be the leader of the ugly kids. Yeah. Just get my kid back. And I love how Martha was like, I got your number, Dakin. Oh, okay. the, fuck, the fight with Dakin. Holy shit. As Scout, Dakin thinking he's talking to Scout, it's really Martha, going off. You don't care about me neither. I love where she's like, she's like, of course, coming from a murderer, you think that being family means you would kill, like, like I would care if you would kill for Ooh. me. She, she's like i'd yeah, rather i'd rather him. have you fucking be there for me when i needed you than for you to kill a million people you fucking murderer the library <laughs> is open like fuck there fuck. was a lot of truth spilling it was a lot of truth spilling in this this episode this issue yeah yeah a lot of reading um it's good it's good yeah it's fun how about uh some marauders Ooh, all right. How about the light read that is Marauders number 22 by Jerry Duggan and Stefano Caselli? Uh, when you have to work with an abuser. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it's fantastic. And that's right. When you have to work with a known abuser like Sebastian Shaw, you're going to have to navigate it in ways that help the abused which we find out is exactly what emma frost once did yeah and the thing that's crazy is i have a feeling there's a point where we see that sebastian is walking again and apparently they reached a deal that she would let him heal up after the hellfire gala and now he can walk um and then xavier is like hey let's we need to talk and this is a very interesting conversation because I feel this conversation and tell me if you think I'm wrong. I think Xavier is now privy to everything that went down. What do you think? Yeah, he did say 
about um, Lourdes Chantal, I understand she was somebody who used to be in the Hellfire Club, was romantic with Sebastian. He's been wanting to resurrect her because she died. I personally wasn't familiar with her. That was telling. Mm-hmm. But I looked into it and are you going to tell him or am I to yeah. Emma? So when he looked into it, what does that mean? I think he meant when he decided to do a Cerebro scan. Yeah. He saw that but she was alive. But then I guess he just assumed that like, so Emma, you definitely did something here. Yeah. But that's to, why... And, to protect her. Yeah. And so I think, but I also think he is, and that's the thing is clearly they're all like, mm, like, I also just love that he knows that she has been fucking with Sebastian Shaw oh, from yes. day one. And he's just like, carry on. <laughs> like, he's just like, I'm just keep doing what you're doing. I kind and of honestly, love the, I kind of love the trust that Xavier has in her. So I'm very interested in yeah. when it turns to Inferno. Yes. Where she's going to be like, oh, you're lying to me. Oh, wait a minute. Like, I'm very interested of how everyone's going to react. Like, personally, I feel like when Emma finds out, Marva's going to be like, no, no, no. And Xavier's going to be like, no, she's good. Come on in. Let's let's bring her in on this. That's what I personally right. think. Right. Maybe. Or is Emma going to get in cahoots with Mystique? Mm, maybe that too. Although... I think Mystique did pose as Emma to get those logic diamonds. I think Mystique murdered Christian Frost and burned the Marauder. So the likelihood of Emma Frost and Mystique being in cahoots, um, they seem slim to me. Okay, good. I don't want that. But Xavier sure does trust Emma. Yeah. And what I love is, considering Emma Frost's and Sebastian Shaw's history... And considering Emma Frost's powers and personality, are we surprised she's been fucking with Sebastian Shaw in ways like this? No. Give me more of this. It makes total sense. What else has she been hiding from him? But it's interesting where I am interested where she's basically like, you're an awful person and you're an abuser. So she's alive and she fucking hates you. And that's why it happened. And that really seemed to like affect him where he kind of had to realize like, yeah, wait, but I thought it was true love. And the whole time she was just scared of me and was willing to pretend to be dead and get away from me. I think that really fucked with his head. I hopefully think that affect that like affected some change in him. But will he try to find her? Ugh, probably. Oh, that's a great question. My instinct is probably because he's a fucking abuser asshole. But if this did change him, maybe he knows to leave her well enough alone. But that also makes me realize the way that she got her out was she was working for Kingpin. Yes. And doing some pretty nasty stuff that she doesn't want to talk about. She was fixing people. So what the... what the fuck does that mean? Was she just what erasing memories and stuff like that, do you think? Probably. Probably. What I love about this issue is we are reminded that Emma Frost has done some horrible shit in her past. There is being a fixer for the kingpin. There is murdering a bunch of treacherous humans that were about to sell out the Hellfire Club. I mean, granted... They were about to sell out the Hellfire Club and kill all mutants. So the Hellfire Club killed them in kind. But we did see Emma Frost in a shower washing tons of blood off of her and a pile of human bodies. Yeah. But that's the thing. But you have to look at it. But every but that's the thing. Emma Frost has never killed. And I will even do this with the horrible inhumans thing. She has never killed to simply gain power. She has always killed to protect, to protect. people in danger. And Correct. I think that is just, when you look back at any time she has done something horrible, it is either to protect her students. Like when she killed her sister, it was to protect Generation X. Like every single thing you look in the past, it has always been out of protection. Yes. More about this trust. The... the the odd place of trust that Xavier and Emma are in, that Emma and Shaw are in, 
to be able to look at Sebastian Shaw, who lately she's been kind of getting along with, like hanging out with casually. Yeah. After a few issues of that, to look at him after telling the truth about I made you see the woman you abused die. She's actually, and then I brought her to safety. And then at the end of all that for her to say, I hate you. I hate you. But this place is better and bigger than all of us. All of these characters being absolutely candid with one another and transparent with one another Mm -hmm. because there is now a bigger picture that they are all a part of. It's fascinating. Well, that's the other thing with her and Xavier is they also have a very special... I think the part of that bond is I'm going to go back to um, X-Men Legacy. Do you remember the fight between Emma and Xavier? Like... About no, ten years what? ago, in X Men Legacy, that was the like the Rogue and Legion book. Well, no, but there was a period where it was more. Where there was a little period where it was just Xavier. It was just yeah. about Xavier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When and it's, in yeah. this, it actually, um, he basically was confronting Emma. He didn't trust her as a leader, and she's like, "I have your fucking number," and she reveals when Rogue joined the team. You psychically fucked with her and you psychically fucked with everyone to make sure that she would go on the team. Oh, shit. And he was like, oh, you know that. And so she's like, yeah, she's like, you have done so much shit and betrayed people's intimacy and trust that you have no play. Like she literally right. was going through his memories being like, I know this and I know you did this and I know you did this. So shut the fuck up. And it was kind of like, What? Like, and it was kind of a weird thing because when you look back when jo- when Rogue joined the team, they were all like, no. And even she was like, no. And he actually, they retconned it where it's like, no, he psychically fucked with all their heads to, so that they all yeah. go forward with it. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. And I think the fact that she kind of like, I have your number, but we're going to still have to work together. I think he knows. I think in the end, he knows that she has the greater good. The greater good is like the ultimate goal. Yeah. But fuck. And we'll fuck. see. When does, we'll when see does Inferno if, if, come out? When does it come out? Oh, not till like end of August. Oh. Mm. And we'll see if, uh, is Emma going to step up as kind of the leader of this nation? If she's taking, helping take down Xavier Magneto, whatever that cover of her holding the helmets indicates, whatever. Is she, are we going to see Emma Frost rise to power or... Establish more trust in this community. It's um, crazy. Love that we're going to resurrect Harry Leland. Yeah. The data page because his powers are gra- particularly gravity, effective. Right? Yeah, particularly effective against Nimrod. As are Shinobi Shaw's. And they're talking about mutant circuitry between Harry Leland and Shinobi Shaw as a way to take down Nimrod. And what's Shinobi Shaw's powers again? It's like, isn't it density and um, uh, like hyper density or phasing? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so then they're going to try and see if their powers together can kind of form like a mini black hole. Because that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. That's what they were trying to do originally. And honestly, if you're just people with two gravity powers, that's black hole. Sounds like black hole to me. They're going to try to black hole him. I'd like to get a Nimrod's black hole. Mm, I think Harry Leland should, he never has a, he never had a mutant name. Um, may I recommend Glory Hole? <laughs> oh yeah, remember Shinobi Shaw committed suicide by putting his own hand in his face? Oh right, yeah. During Rosenberg's run? <laughs> Wild. Wild. They yeah, never the really, I will begins. say, though, they never really followed through on the Shinobi Shaw stuff. Right, 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 right. Like, does he hate? Because he was under the assumption that Kitty and Emma killed him. Yeah. I'm curious if, like, that's still something, if they just dropped it or if they're still waiting to pay it off. Or Yeah, or maybe Shinobi's like, oh, please, you think I believe my father? Yeah. But let's get some kitty. And also, did she? De- if they, she discovered that um, Christian is dead, 
Has she discovered Christian is dead yet? Do we know why Kitty can't walk through gates yet? Well, that's the thing is the thing that was, what was the reason why she wasn't being resurrected? It was because of her powers. They, her powers. She needed to do something different from everyone else. Her powers were preventing her from cracking through the egg. Yeah, something like that. But that, and that's the one thing is I was like, isn't that the key to figuring out the gates? Right, and maybe it is. Maybe it's connected. It was more. But it was she kind still of like can't a, do it. Don't break through, phase through, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I still want it to be Dougie. I still want it to be Dougie telling Krakoa, don't let her through. I'm mad at her. She broke my heart. <laughs> and, and now that he's married, he'll be like, oh, I'm over that. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, she hasn't been. Yeah. No, open the gates. <laughs> Honestly, that would be hilarious. If it turns it would out be hilarious. End, it was just like a bitter, a bitter. It was just Dougie ex. being like, she's mean. She was mean to me last time we talked to her. I, I so wanted to be that. <laughs> oh, I hope it's that. Jerry Duggan, I know you're listening. Well, I think we have we can talk about some other comics this time. We read some other Ooh. comics. Hit it. You gotta get a comic if you wanna get ahead. All right. Let's go to um, an enchanted world, shall we? Oh. Um, into a, a comic that we've been reading and we've been highly recommending called Wind. Yes, from the... From, yes. Uh, what's his name? Tinian? James Tinian James the Fourth. Tinian who, the by fourth. the way, yes. Evil Jeff, here's some news that came out of Comic-Con at home. The Eisner Awards were announced... Um, and James Tinney in the fourth one, best writer. In general or for specific? In Like they listed all of these current works, Department of Truth, Wind, Something is Killing the Children. Yes. All great. Deserve it. Uh, Wind, basically we have a prince who is escaping his kingdom to kind of get, give the crown to his uncle who can reunite the humans and the fairies and create a peace so that they can battle the evil vampires. Correct. And, um, and this whole entire time, basically they're just being chased by the vampires. The vampires have submarines blow them out of the water. The vampires are now chasing them into the, they're chasing them into the woods and following an them. enchanted forest. The fairy they people smell their blood. The fairy people kidnap, um, they kidnap uh, Wind. That's his name, right? That's the main character's name. Yes. They kidnap Wind and she's like, you killed my mother. But then she gets over it. Yes. And she's like, all right, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, she is a, a fairy princess, essentially. She's, she seems to be royalty among the fairies. Uh, and it was, the, it was her mother who was the fairy that helped Wind and his crew escape Pipetown. The mother died during that escape, uh, and the daughter blames Wind for the mother's death. So she kidnaps Wind, um, but then rescues his friends, gets over it pretty quick, just like you said. And now they're just hanging out in fairy town. But she also gives the history, the real history of how this whole world that they live in was kind of formed. Because we know there's like an east, a west, a north, and a south, and there's vampires, there's fairies, there's humans... And then is there a fourth? Thing? I don't think so, but there are the four winds. The, four the north wind. wind, the east wind, the west but wind, and the south wind. it turns out that they're kind was, of gods. The winds are the gods, and then they kind of created these original humans that had wings very similar to wind. Uh, uh, oh, and yeah. And they were these basically like these angels. And then these two sisters um, went off on Earth to kind of like discover everything. And they went off right. in separate directions and one came back a vampire and one came back a fairy. And the vampire, of course, she was evil and like betrayed everyone. And everyone kind of took sides. All the angels took sides and they lost their wings and either became like the fairies or became like the vampires. And there's technically aren't any of those original fairies left I mean, right. original angels left, and Wind seems like he is somehow one of those angels. 
And they also mentioned that humans came way later yeah. after the vampire fairy split. Yeah. But yes, there no one knows what happened to these original angels if there are any left. But wind seems to be one. And they've also introduced um, uh, the cousin of the prince who's like, oh, well, if you give up the throne to your uncle, my dad, I'm going to be the new prince and then I will be the future king. And he's a very weird one where he's very cocky, but he also seems very good. And I have very, very kind, but I'm yeah. always like, is that a ruse? Is it a fake? Am I, is it a red herring? Should I trust him? Should I not? There's something where I'm like, he seems too good to be true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he, oh, I'll fix you. I, I have medical skills or, you know, let me be the moral compass of this particular scene. Yeah. A little too good to be true. And his assistant is a non-binary character. Mm-hmm. Like a, a someone who's who wonderful. By yeah, like they kind of love like a, to yeah. help and they love to sketch creatures that they see. Just a wholesome person, and kind of like a nerdy science person. Yeah. Um, and so it's like we're get, gathering this fun cast of characters. I'm also just curious of who, where are the romances leading? Who is going to end up with who? I feel like the sister of Wind, the kind of um, adopted sister of Wind, I feel like uh-huh. her and the new prince kind of have a weird thing going on, maybe. Yep, I agree. There's still the love triangle between Wind, the big muscly guy, and the prince. I'm curious of like whether the non-binary character coming in is going to somehow enter any of this love triangle at any point. I'm just curious. You know me. I need to know the soap opera of it all. I'm curious. Yeah, and, and they're they're really good about having this fantasy adventure, but with this undercurrent of soap opera, of romance, triangles, heartbreak, all of it. One thing about Thorn, who is the big muscly guy that Wind is in love with, who is with the the kind of rotten-ish prince who's on the run, he has been gravely injured. He was fixed by the prince's cousin, who's going to one day take over the throne. But the fairies took Thorn away to heal him. And the fairy princess said, it will leave an indelible mark on him, but he will be healed. So Thorn is going to go through some transformation. He's going to be fairied up a little bit. I love a big I'm muscle. Very I love a big muscle fairy. Right? Who doesn't love a big muscle fairy? Mm. I love just how how beautifully um, how beautifully gay it is. It's just a queer triumph. Um, I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about a book that I didn't even tell you I was reading. Oh, oh my God. This is highly irregular. <laughs> so, you know, Rainbow... Um, Rowell? Rainbow Rowell. Um, Never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, my sister told me, hey, did you know um, there's this like gay Harry Potter book? And this is just a book. It's not a comic. And she's like, yeah, it's this person named um, Rainbow Rowell. And I'm like, what? She writes the Redways. I read read all of that. So I just in one day, it's like a super quick read. And there's two more books after that that I have not read yet. But it's called Carry On. And it's Rainbow Rowell. And it literally is just like, this is my version of Harry Potter. It's very clearly a complete homage. Like everything is like a different version of Harry Potter. The only thing is imagine in rather than being like a sorting hat, the sorting hat doesn't put people into houses. It just puts roommates together. And so imagine if Harry Potter and Malfoy were forced to be roommates together and they hate each other and he's the chosen one. And Malfoy is from the rich family that's supposed to kill Harry Potter. And the first half of the book is from the Harry Potter boys perspective. And it's basically like, I hate this guy. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. And then it just cuts to the other, to the Malfoy perspective. And it opens up with, I hate him and I'm going to have to kill him one day. 
God damn, I wish I wasn't totally in love with him. <laughs> oh my God, it's your jam. <laughs> yes. It is your Yes. It is your thing. But the crazy thing is it's halfway through the book and you're like, what? <laughs> oh, I love it. What? And it turns out that the Malfoy character is bitten by a vampire. So so he's now he's a vampire. And so he's like evil, but like in love with him. And then the Harry Potter guy, it's just like Harry Potter. He's an idiot. Like he just can't do anything. Like he's just bad. Like he's the chosen one and he's all powerful, but he sucks and he's awful. Wow. And basically it is like they end up are forced to go on like a mission and they like kind of end up falling in love. And it's like really sweet and it's really well written. It's like, oh, I think it was like, it's called Carry On, Rainbow Rowell. You can read it. It. it, you can read it in a day. It's it's super fun. I probably will read the next books after it. That reminds me of a story I'm into that I didn't tell you about where um, it takes place in a boarding school and there's this guy who like sleeps around. He's bisexual. He sleeps around all the time and he's friends with this couple and they're all super popular in this school and the girl, a straight couple, the girl in the couple is all into the guy and actually she can't come when she's having sex with her boyfriend unless she thinks of the other guy. Wait, is this a book? Uh, uh, No, it's not a book. So recently the boyfriend from the straight couple and the bisexual guy were in a bathhouse together because the bisexual guy asked him to go to this bathhouse with him so he can have sex with this other gay guy who he knew was going to be in the bathhouse. And then he was like, oh, we have to do something to make that guy jealous. And so all of a sudden, the straight boyfriend starts making out with the bisexual guy and gets a mad boner. And you realize not only is the straight girlfriend obsessed sexually with the bisexual guy, so is the straight boyfriend. Thank you so much. Episode two of the new Gossip Girl. Oh, that's what Gossip Girl is about? Shit. Yes. Talk about a queer triumph. Guess I need to watch Gossip Girl now. Uh, You need to watch Gossip Girl now. Threesome. Yeah, yeah, it's hot. The guy that is the bisexual guy, he actually was in The Descendants 2 and 3. He was Captain Hook's son. Right. He is the hottest thing on the planet. Oh, I can't wait to watch. Um, That's what also saying everybody on TikTok is talking about that. There's that one show where it's like watch episode three at 19 minutes in (laughs) on Netflix. I think it's called like Sex Something. Oh, I don't know. Sex li- I think it's called like Sex Life. Okay. And it's like go to, and it's always TikTok has a whole thing where it's like people's reactions. And literally <laughs> there's a guy in the shower who has a full on like 10 inch penis. Like, and it Jesus. just turns around and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> Fuck. And then the irony of it is a girl in the cast in real life has divorced her husband and is now dating that guy. <laughs> Ooh, I bet. You're like, someone got digmatized. She is no dummy. Well, Um, well, but what uh, other comics have we been reading? We have one more comic we read, and I'm so happy we get to say this. We haven't said this in so long. Ew! Ew. We read a DC book. Ew. 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 See you next Tuesday, DC, because they come out on Tuesdays now. Um... We read Superman and the Authority, number one. Why? Because it's Grant Morrison, one of my faves. Yeah. So I had to pick it up. And here's the thing. I tried reading um, Brian Michael Bendis' well, we, Superman run. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Boring. Couldn't couldn't keep up with it. I've tried reading a bunch of different Superman runs. Couldn't give a shit. How is it that Grant Morrison can make me care about Superman in like three pages? I mean, that's why I picked it up is because Grant Morrison did All-Star Superman, my favorite Superman story of all time. And The Authority was also, I mean, that was ugh, Warren Ellis. Um, and it was um, uh, Mark Miller also. Grant Morrison touched it for like a hot second, but I always did like The Authority. I always did like that team. So while I was so pleased to see and read Grant Morrison, writing um superman again i was dismayed that it seems like he's forming an authority and it is not the authority that the characters i hoped we would see in this who was in the original authority 
Um, it was Jenny. Well, Jenny Sparks became Jenny Quantum. Um, it was the Doctor. It was Jack of what was his name? Um, Jack of Cities. Uh, it was the the like the Hawk Girl kind of girl. I forget her name too. Um, and it was Apollo and Midnighter, our favorite gay couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm, and I'm, uh, the, the robot lady, I, I forget all of their names. Oh my goodness. But it was, it was robot lady. It was a uh, guy that was designed from to the navigate Jetsons? cities. It was, it was Rosie <laughs> yeah. from the Jetsons. <laughs> Mr. J, Superman needs me. Uh, yeah, but they're awesome. Oh my God. I'm going to look up their names and be like, oh yeah. Um, but it seems like Superman in this book is trying to create a new authority so he can finally in his kind of uh, golden years, finally do the thing he failed at doing, which was fix the planet. Well, the thing I like is this is a different, there's a completely different universe where Superman came a lot earlier. And, and this is one thing I found confusing is then he's mentioned how he was like hanging out with King Arthur. Probably through like time travel. Okay. I was going to say, but then I was like, but he still was born in Kansas. So I was a little confused by that. But um Yeah. But I do like the idea that no, Superman was a thing like in the fifties and sixties and now he he's Kennedy. old. And now he's old and he's losing his powers. It's right. kind of like the what was that, Batman Beyond? Yeah. Where the main Batman is not Bruce Wayne is just sitting back all old and making Yeah, he's uh, like the man in yeah, the chair. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah, and so Superman recruits his first character, who honestly is a character I was never familiar with because I don't read DC. Um, what's his name? Manchester Manchester Bill? Black. Manchester Black, who is in like the Supergirl TV show, by the way. Yeah. When I looked up Manchester Black, I was like, oh, oh he's in the Supergirl TV? Okay. Um, so, yeah, so an anti-hero who was then straight up a villain... Um, but now this this iteration is being recruited by Superman to be an anti-hero once again. Yeah, it's Psychic, fun. telekinetic. It's fun. They also mentioned Superman has a son. So I'm like, where's that? Where's he? So right, I'm kind of interested yeah. in all of that. So it's fun. I like it. Superman is so is written so well under Grant Morrison's pen because Grant Morrison will never ever let go of the Boy Scout who just wants to to do good as the core of the character. Yeah. Which is, I mean, you know, after the DCEU and everything we've seen, it's just so refreshing. In fact, like when Man of Steel came out, there was a lot of people posting that panel from Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman, where the girl is going to jump off the building and Superman stops and talks her, talks her down. Yeah. Um, Everyone's saying, that's Superman, not the guy that let his father die in the tornado. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited. This is only a four-issue limited series, but any time I can read some Grant Morrison, writing some Superman, I shall do that thing. (sighs) But I think we Superman's very strong. Superman's very strong. Sorry, I just no I just shit. landed on a segue. No landed shit. on a segue. <laughs> Superman is very strong. You know who else is very strong? Who? He man. All right, let's get into some a new television show. Hit it. Okay, so are you sure you don't want to just talk about Gossip Girl? No. We're going to talk about no, He Man and the Masters Gossip of the Girl. Universe. He man. He man. He man. The show that is. Show about He Man. It's not about He Man. <laughs> it's not about He Man. It's everybody. about Tila. Uh, Tila. Um, literally thought, and I, I just want to put this out there. It's not a spoiler. It's a spoiler of what doesn't happen. Literally thought this was going to end with Tila being the new He Woman. No, that's and Shira. I would have been all for it. That's Shira. That, but then that's Shira. We already have that. It's Shira. But this He Man. So this is a Kevin Smith original. It is a sequel. It takes place after the original cartoon. Yeah. And it sees a grand attack on Castle Grayskull by Skeletor kind of change the game for these characters. Well, it changes the game because in this attack, not only does Tila finally the person like the don't tell the don't tell the the girl 
who's really... <laughs> Don't tell the girl that I'm really He-Man. We'll just tell the boys. Just tell the boys. And she the discovers... Goes. Yeah, she discovers uh, that He-Man is Prince Adam, but she discovers it as he sacrifices himself to save magic, save Eternia, and kill himself along with Skeletor. I was shocked because this... The cartoon started very He-Man. It well, what started, do you mean started very He-Man? It literally is a shot-for-shot remake of the opening, of the original opening. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, like, the, when it got into the dialogue, like, that, that first attack on Castle Grayskull. I was convinced it was, was going to be, I thought it was going to be the sorceress was going to be killed. Didn't that seem like that was... was what's I didn't think happen? anybody was going to be killed. I didn't think anybody was going to be killed. I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be, like, hokey He-Man, and then... He-Man straight up puts his sword through Skeletor. And I was like, what? Yeah. Oh, my God. Now, this is the grown-up stuff. This is the grown-up stuff. And that opens a key. So Skeletor was standing in front of a, a, this rock in the center of Grayskull deliberately, knowing that He-Man would kill him. I, like I'm, like, shocked that he knew that would happen because He-Man's never tried that before. This The... Uh, Sword goes into the stone, it opens up this magical chamber where the source of all of Eternia's magic is exposed. And Skeletor wants it. It's basically like a scrotum, and they cut open the scrotum. Yeah. And the balls are just like flying. And the balls are just like, we are the magic of Eternia. And then He-Man takes the balls in. Balls deep. And... So basically, Skeletor was going to threaten all of Eternia with this magical power source. He-Man absorbs the magic, killing himself, killing Prince Adam, his alter ego, and killing Skeletor. So Tila not only finds out, not only has to deal with the death of He-Man and the death of Prince Adam, it's when she finds out that Prince Adam was He-Man. Yeah. It's also when the king finds out, the queen kind of always knew the queen of Eternia, Prince Adam's mother. She kind of always knew because, you know, mothers know. I'm also because he so. didn't wear a mask. <laughs> She's like, you may have more muscles, but I know that cute little booty yeah. anywhere. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Well, at least in the this, had no idea. Prince Adam skinnier. We're in the, in the comic. Twinkier. I mean, in the original cartoon, he was the same. He was just, like, as muscular as He-Man. So yeah. th- at least this I can see there being, like, wow, I really never knew He-Man was Adam because he is so much bigger. And in this, like, Adam is twinkier. He-Man is beefcakier in yeah. this. My God, the muscles. And uh, just give a shout-out. Tila is played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. So What's up, Buff? You gotta love that. She's- you gotta love that. Wait, do you know who Evelyn is? I looked it oh, all yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. You can recognize the oh. voice right off the bat. Oh. Cersei. It's Cersei. Cersei from Game of Thrones. Evil Jeff, when I tell you that Evelyn was my favorite part of this series. So, uh, listeners, I have watched the whole thing. Evil Jeff is two episodes in. Evelyn becomes more and more Emma Frost with each passing episode. Yeah. She starts to become funny, she starts to become kind hearted. Like, you just realize she was always just practical, not evil. There's a whole redemption. I mean, it is num, 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 num. It is so good. Um, is, there a, is there sexual tension between Tila and Evelyn? Yes. And there's particular sexual tension between Tila and her, her companion, Oh, Andra. Right. So after the death of He-Man, there's, a, there's time passage. We see Tila. She has quit the life. She does not talk to her father, Man-at-Arms, anymore. Uh, she has shaved her head into a lovely, undercut lesbian and starts hanging out with this girl. And she even says something like, some things are more important than my former life. And like looks at Andra and Andra's like, oh my God, thank you. She's like, I'd rather save this girl's pussy than magic. That's right. She would. Um, And uh, the other thing that's... um, The thing that's interesting is how um, this is being shredded by online. This is being (laughs) ripped apart. And that's the Uh thing is I watched it 
And I will say this, I thought it was good and I thought it was fun. I will say the weird thing is, is I've watched Shira too. Did you watch Shira on Netflix? I've never checked in with Shira. Shira no. is really good because that ends up being a complete love story. Because in Shira, yeah. it's rewritten that Shira is on the bad guy's side. Oh. And she was raised with the bad guys. And it turns out that the evil guys knew she was Shira and kidnapped her and were trying to raise her. And then when she discovers who oh. she really is, she switches sides. And her best friend, Katra. That yes, has to become our main enemy. But they're in love. Like, but they're in love. So it's yes. the thing of where these two lesbian lovers are now, like, the the leaders of the opposing armies. And so that's this whole entire thing. And that one, it's, like, girl power. And that one, um, it's all, like, girl power. And it's very much written for girls. Where this He-Man, I feel it's... Ri- I think it's a little bit trickier where I'm, like, I feel they're... They're in a weird way. They're still going for the nostalgic audience of the boys that used to watch it, but so many of the boys that used to watch He Man are now incels, and they did right. not like the idea that I thought this was going to be He Man, and He Man dies in the first episode. Right. Also, though, so many of the boys that grew up with He Man are not incels. And they're are gay. What we call Faggots. adults. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and some of them are gay. So, like, to answer the question, who is this He-Man written for? Us. It's written for adults. Yes. It's definitely for adults, where she was more for kids. Yeah. And I think that's the problem, is these dudes can't get over, like, he... And this is the thing, is where people... It's the people, like, I don't know if you ever, like, you listen to, like, Jordan Peterson or any of these... No, oh God. or like, or no. what's this? Joe Rogan. This Joe like Rogan. the men are under the attack, angry men. and you yes. toxic masculinity is the a persecuted myth, men. And we're feminizing male culture, and oh, all of this so under stuff. Attack. It's like, okay, are you telling me that there's no male superhero shows anymore? There's a million of them. Like, shut right. the fuck up. Just because, T- like, the fact that it's Tila and not He Man is the fact that it's angering them so much. You're like, get get over it. The whole straight white male story with a very prescribed idea of what heroism and masculinity. Do you know what this is like? This is like, that's like a particular song. And we spent decades listening to that song over and over and over and over. And then one day we decided to put other songs on, listen to other music, diversify what we take in artistically. And the creators of that old song are like, why does everyone hate our song? It's not that we hate your song. Nobody hates your song. No one's attacking your song. We just want to listen to other songs too. You know what I mean? And so shut if, the fuck it's, up. if you're talking about cis white straight men, clearly that song was the Dave Matthews band. What would you say? <laughs> And I, for one, am so glad that we don't have to listen to that song anymore. Wow, what you say? Oh, God. There were some bands in the 90s that... Mm, 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 mm. Uh, Blues Traveler is one. Do you know what I'm doing, Evil Jeff? Speaking what? of songs, I'm building a playlist on Spotify that is one song each from Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time. My friend is going through each album in, from 500 <gasps> to number one. Oh my God. Well, I'm he's like kind 100, of that. He's like 100 through right now. Oh my God. We're the same. Yeah, I'm like giving each one a brief listen, just going by like songs I like, songs that have the most listens, songs that are written up critically in Rolling Stone. And just picking one, like, I know I can switch out a song if I want, if I decided I, I chose the wrong one. Yeah. But there is no choosing the wrong one. But it's such a great exercise in exploring something about new. music I don't, exactly. exploring, revisiting my favorites, and Ex- discovering building something. a Spotify playlist that I can share with my friends that people will never get sick of. Yeah. I will never get sick of. Also discovering something where you're like, oh, I don't like that kind of music. I'm not going to listen to it. And then you're like, no, wait, I'm going to listen to this. No, wait. Oh, I like yeah. it. Oh, it's fantastic. I see how it's good. I actually I just moved into a new place and I bought for the and I have like a little music room now where I bought a piano, but I also bought a record player. And my rule now is for the records, I can only buy albums where I are where I love the whole album. 
Because you always have favorite songs, you have favorite artists, but it's a very different thing to be like, I love this whole album. You know what I mean? What are some of your albums that you love the whole album? Uh, PJ Harvey's To Bring You My Love. Um, Stereo Labs, Audio, Mars Quintet. Uh, I found out a lot of it is from the late 90s when (laughs) I kind of discovered music. Um, Bjork's Bjork's post homogeneous and uh, debut, all three of them. Uh, what what's some more recent? I got I got the Immaculate Collection by Madonna. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. It's it's pretty. Uh. It's a fun thing of me being like I have to like every song on this album for me to for me to buy it. It's a fun thing. Some of some of my albums like that are Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Oh, that's great. I should get that too. The Downward Spiral. Mm-hmm. Again, 90s. Um, although I will throw Sleigh Bells on there. Sleigh Bells first album. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Treats. Uh, love that. Uh, Lupe Fiasco, Food and Liquor. I'll throw that on there. There's there's, there's albums from the aughts. Oh, yeah. Really- I have, there's like some gold frap albums I'm going to get. Some freeze pop albums. Uh, oh. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a fun thing. Music. But this show isn't about music. It's about comics. No, it's not. And we're That's done right. talking That's about right. comics. We are, clearly. We started, we ventured into music. By the way, this is where we announce our spinoff podcast where Brett and Evil Jeff will talk about their favorite albums of all time. But that's it's called Album but Queers. Done Legacy. by our variants, as you listened to in the last episode. That's right. Oh, what fun. All right, my friend. Until next week. I bid you adieu. I bid you adieu. And everyone else, uh, until next week. Um, And remember, if you read comics, (laughs) there's a reason you're listening to the show. Because if you read comics, well, then that makes you queer. Queer. Bye. Bye. Bye.